Welcome to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host, AJ Torres. Today, we're going to talk about some CFL, where we rank all the logos, including the new ones for Toronto and Edmonton. Going to talk about the Euros, and then we're going to give our top 10 NFL quarterbacks. But let's get into the debate right now about CFL logos, as the season is less than two months away, long-awaited return of CFL. Now, recently, Three Down Nation ran a story where their readers ranked the various logos. Coming in ninth on their list was Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This is just a W on a blue background with an outline that's sort of gold, kind of a dull gold. But yeah, honestly, this isn't bottom tier. It's it's not flashy, but it's not terrible either. Do you remember when the Chargers, uh, I know we're going north of the border, but do you remember when the Chargers were making a new logo? And they're like, wait a minute, you put L.A. and you just put like a little thing at the end. It's like, what'd you do? You have a high school kid, you know, you promised him uh, 20 bucks so he could get make a logo for you. Like they said that nobody tried about this. Then they tried it again and they said, what are you doing? It's kind of the same thing. You just put a W there. That's. I mean, this is supposed to be a big organization. You just kind of, you half-ass the logo. That's just it. Still, though, I think it sort of fits with the CFL being a more traditional-type league. Of course, we've been over the CFL and traditionalism so much. I don't want to go into all that again. I understand tradition, but if you look at this, right, you got all these guys, right? Now, if you go across it, right, when you look at these logos, they stand out. And even though there's logos here that some of them are better than others and one of them drives me absolute crazy, you recognize them. When you look at the Elks logo, you're not going to be able to forget about what that looks like. What's that W? That can mean anything. That could be a certain college for all I know. You can't trademark that logo. It's a W. I, you can't trademark just a plain letter. There's nothing even inside of it. You half-assed the representation of yourself. That's just it. Yeah, I was thinking maybe if they wanted to modernize a little bit, they could have like an actual plane and there make it go. blue. Yeah, there you go. A blue plane, put something on the side. But no, you decided to... It's like you try to do a budget cut. Like, come on. Still, I would say it's not ninth, maybe like six or seven, somewhere in there. Okay. Next up, the Three Down Nation had Montreal Alouettes logo. They recently redid this logo, and honestly, it blows. It's it's clean, though. I'll give them that. And the thing that it actually kind of uh, kind of catches out to me is that if you look at the logo, it's got the M in there for Montreal. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see that, but it's just like there's nothing very distinctive or threatening about it. Kind of looks like a castle fold-out or something like that. <laughs> you can kind of see I like mean, the doors in there. It's just like... 
I don't even understand why they're an alouette in the first place. Like, what's intimidating about a garden bird? Call yourselves the polar bears or something. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I know when you think of like a football team, I know when it comes to logos, designs, and names, I know you want something, something intimidating. Like you want the gladiators, the bears, the tigers, something that's just going to be like, you know, like if you're the quarterback and you look over your center and you just see like these two defensive tackles and it's just like, oh crap, that's right. We're playing the bears. I get what you mean. I think this one, I guess we'll just uh, settle and say this one is okay, but could be better. That's fair to assess, right? I think we'll just agree to disagree. I have it squarely in the bottom. Now, next up, Three Down Nation at number seven had the Ottawa Red Blacks. It is an R inside of a circular saw blade. I think it's all right. I'd agree. It's cool, but it's nothing special. But the one thing is that where I account for this is you got to, when you look at the logo, you got to know what it is. So when you see the saw blade and you see the R and it's got the black and the red and the white in there mixed, right? Not bad. Yeah, I think I might go for like, Eh, fourth or fifth best logo for this one it's definitely got some intimidation factor and the way they did the r is kind of distinctive but yeah yep that's moving on at number six they had the saskatchewan rough riders and number six for them seems about accurate it has an s in the middle of it and they got some outlining around it I mean, it again, me it's sort of, sort of simple and to the point. Reminds me of it's either the Shelby logo, like the car company Shelby, or mm-hmm. something related to NASCAR. <laughs> now that I see it, it's kind of rectangular. You got the, could look like a flag. Okay. So, so, something like that. I mean, all right. All so right. we're gonna. So, I mean, they're kind of where I, around where I would put Winnipeg, like six and seven. They're both kind of similar to me. All Maybe right. put Saskatchewan ahead just because they got a little bit more detail. Okay. And next up at number five, they had the BC Lions. Now, Three Down Nation said it was one of the least polarizing, with one and five point scores accounting for just ten percent. And almost 50% of respondents gave it a three. You know, personally, I don't like this one. I mean, it looks like no. the the lion is sort of like yawning. And also it should be a lioness because that's definitely a female lion. Well, that's, that's just what I'm saying. Like, that's a lioness, I think, for one. Unless they're no. going for like a mountain lion. A mountain lion wouldn't have the type of mane but that I mean, an African lion would. It, go by the detail in the lion there's not that much detail you see eyes nose a little bit of a cheekbone but i mean i'd want like maybe like a little more detail in there but there is one other thing that kind of blows my mind a little bit and i understand that you simple is better 
but doesn't it look like you need to add like a third color in there? Like besides the orange and the black, the black matches the outline. So I mean, yeah, it feels like there needs to be another color in there. Like maybe like a white, I'm guessing. There is a little bit of white outlining it, but yeah, I can kind of get what you mean with that. It just I personally would put it at eighth. It would be ahead of Montreal, but behind the other ones we've talked about so far. Moving on, Calgary Stampeders. It looks kind of like the SMU logo. I say that being from Texas. This is terrible, man. And I'll tell you why. If you look at the legs, right? Look at the legs of that logo. If you, you, it looks like you got a back leg over here. You got a front leg going over, and where's your front leg going? It looks like it's. It looked like somebody lassoed it. The legs are just shot. I get the idea. Going with the horse is great. I'm not mocking it because it reminds me of the Ford Mustangs. It's just you look at those legs, and I just don't like it, the direction they're going. Maybe it's just me, but I'm just wondering what's going on with those horses' legs. Like I, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, I think I might put them at five ahead of the Saskatchewan and Winnipeg logos. I'm sort of becoming more fond of the Red Blacks logo as we speak. The Red Blacks (laughs) would have to be three or four. Now, the other team that would be third or fourth is the Edmonton Elks and their new logo. A lot of people really liked their new logo when they unveiled it. But I saw one comment say that it looks like a weasel being hit with a stick. And now I can't unsee it. I don't see it. I mean, I think the I think it's a clean logo. I like this one. I really do. I mean, I can definitely see what they were going for. I kind of wish they'd just done it a little differently, maybe. Just like put the antlers closer to the head. If they'd done that, I think I would put the Elks third, but... As it stands, I'll put the Elks fourth, and I'll move Ottawa up to three. Well, I mean, now I've we have the Canadian two really good change logos before. Look at the Toronto Blue Jays with all the uniform changes they've had uh, since the 21st century. It's a lot. Fair. Now we're getting into the two that I really like. At number two. Three Down Nations readers had the Toronto Argonauts new logo, which is pretty slick. It still looks like a ship, and you've got the hull looking like a football. You've got the oars coming out of it, and you have the mast with an A on it. I mean, this is pretty good right here. I mean, you get what it is. It's clean. The color scheme matches just nice. I mean, not uh, limited color palette. It's got the three colors in there, but they match well. And if you look on it on a t-shirt or a hat, it just looks clean. I mean, I like the A logo on it myself, but the new logo is just great, in my opinion. It's it's definitely up there for top two. 
Yep. The last one we got is the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They've had the same logo for a while. It's a leaping tiger. I mean, I definitely like it, but the mouth is just a little too big for me. So I'd put Hamilton at two, Toronto at one. All right. I think I think we can agree there. All right. So I just now realized that I had three of the Eastern teams having the top three logos. Then you have the five West teams and then Montreal. <laughs> so you put the Montreal logo purpose. at the bottom? Yeah. I I do not like Montreal's logo. I just don't. I mean, I hate, I mean, come on, the W, I got to put that last. And then, and then seventh place, I got to put Calgary. Everything else, you could kind of crapshoot it from there, but we agree on the top two. Yeah, all that's fair. And last week, I know you talked about you would have an update on who your CFL team would be. Any new information on that? Yeah, I do, actually. And there actually was somebody trying to recruit me. But you could mark off Calgary and Winnipeg right off the board. I'll say that much. All right. I, I've been trying to do a little bit of research. I've been asking some guys. And I think I've been uh, very optimistic. But if you go by Winnipeg and if you go by Calgary – uh, no disrespect to any of the organizations, but as they say on uh, Shark Tank, I'm out. Okay. <laughs> so with this ranking, does that push you in any sort of way at all or not? You know, I had a couple uh, ideas and I've still been conducting research. Uh, there's some things I wanted to research a little bit more about. I wanted to do the uh, little research on the riders more, Montreal a little bit more. I did a little bit about the uh, Tiger Cats, uh, the Elks. I'm sorry, the Lions, the Elks, uh, the Argos. I've still been conducting. It's been a gradual process. That's fair. Yeah, I was thinking off the top of my head, the Argos actually have the most gray cups overall. They have 17. However, the Elks have the most in the CFL era with 11. That's correct. Saskatchewan is a very interesting team. They might be the most hated team in the CFL. They're right in the middle of the country. It seems like nobody really likes them. <laughs> well, what about Calgary? I mean, isn't that place just Arctic tundra in the middle? It's of actually further south than Edmonton is. Hmm. But yeah, some of the biggest rivalries are played on Labor Day. Up in Canada, we've got Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Toronto, and Hamilton. And naturally, because they had no one else, Montreal and BC just started playing each other. The coastal, the two coasts rivalry. <laughs> and then Ottawa came into the league again. 
and they're just sort of left out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyways, so, let's hop across the pond for just a minute. We're going to talk about yeah. the Euros. So, thus far, we've seen Group A finish their play. Some people had thought Turkey might be a dark horse in this group. Personally, I didn't buy it, and I was justified. As the Turks lost all three games and had a negative seven goal differential. Meanwhile, Pac-Man dying. Yep, pretty much. And then you had the Italians run through this group, won all three games, and had a goal differential of plus seven, didn't allow a single goal. Yeah. You had the Welsh and the Swiss, both of whom will advance to the knockout phase as they drew with each other, beat Turkey, and lost Italy. Group B, Belgium ran through this group, winning all three games, only allowing one goal, Denmark, after Christian Eriksen collapsed in their first game against Finland, they dropped the goal, the game 1-0 to the Finns. They lost a hard-fought game 2-1 to to the Belgians. But then they came back and beat Russia 4-1. to And by virtue of that victory, they are going on to the knockout stage. Russia has been eliminated. Finland still could advance. They have three points, but their goal differential is negative two. I think it's going to be hard for them to move on. In Group C, the Netherlands won all three games in that group, beating Austria, Ukraine, and North Macedonia. Not a whole lot to talk about here. We knew the Dutch were better than everybody in this group. Austria is a mild surprise. I kind of thought Ukraine would be second in this group, but... Didn't happen. Austria defeated Ukraine 1-0 today. And Ukraine still has a chance. They could advance to the knockout stage. They have three points and a negative one goal differential. So Finland would be kicked out before Ukraine. Next up in Group D, which will be in action Tuesday... The Czech Republic and England have both advanced out of the group. And then you have Croatia and Scotland who still could advance with the right results. The English were a team that I thought would be one of the favorites to win. Well, certainly one of. If I had to put my hat on one team, I would have put it on England. Just for the record there. But yeah, I knew Belgium and France were both going to be great teams in this tournament. But anyhow, the English still have not allowed a goal, but it was less than inspiring 1-0 victory over Croatia and then a 0-0 draw against Scotland. So their early results are not exactly promising. But still, you never know what could happen. The English still have a lot of talent, but you do wonder if Harry Kane, their world-class striker has his mind on Manchester City, who reportedly offered Tottenham 150 million pounds for a transfer to get Kane. <laughs> yes. So oh, we'll my so thought we're... is uh, it's uh, June 21st when we're recording this. 
And the round of 16 doesn't start for another couple of days, but out of the possible two matchups we have set in stone for next week's uh, episode, we got two matchups that are already set. We got Wales and Denmark, and we got Italy and Austria. Who are your uh, who are you taking? I'm definitely going with Italy over Austria. I, I think agree. the Italians are just they're out for blood after not making the World Cup in 2018. They want to get back to prominence, and then Denmark is just a very talented club, and, and then. Well, I shouldn't call them a club team. They're just, they're better than Wales. And it would be surprising to me if Denmark does not advance out of that. And also now they've got the angle of playing for Ericsson. I think that's got to be a boost for them. I'm not saying Denmark is going to go all the way. This is not major league, but (laughs) I think... They could make a surprising run here. Maybe to the quarters or the semis, though. They might be primed to match up with the Netherlands in the quarterfinals, which would be a very interesting match, as the Dutch team is very uh, good. I'm waiting to see who Belgium is going to be playing. That's going to be an interesting one. Although, if we could get a Italy versus Belgium game going, I'd really want to see that. Why Belgium? I know why you want to see Italy, but Belgium? Eh, some just a gut feeling, I guess you could say. Call me crazy. Fair enough. Not to mention this Belgium team. They have a lot of really good players sort of at the tail end of their prime, like Kevin De Bruyne and Romelu Lukaku. Yeah. People Courtois and Goal. Like they've all been very good players and obviously they reached their highest world cup finish in 2018 with third place over there but yeah they haven't secured a major trophy yet and i think there is some desperation on their side for that because you don't know even though the world cup is going to be in a year and a half how are they all going to be at that point you just never know but moving on, Group E, we've got Sweden, who has moved on to the knockout stage, and Slovakia has been surprising. They pulled out a 2-1 victory over Poland, a team which I thought could be a somewhat of a dark horse in this tournament. And then Spain is two draws for two points, just sitting right there on the edge of qualifying. Spain will take on Slovakia June 23rd. Poland will take on Sweden same day. Ultimately, I thought the Poles would get some redemption after they didn't make it out of the group stage of the World Cup, but that has not happened to this point. And Spain, everyone raves about their talent, but ever since winning the World Cup in 2010, they just haven't been the same. Hmm. I mean, you look at it through two games, they have one goal allowed, one goal scored. It's just, they've lost their edge, they just have. Sweden is kind of a grinding type team, and much like England, they have one goal scored and no goals allowed. (laughs) But yeah, this group could still go any number of ways because Sweden has four points, Slovakia three Spain 2 and Poland 1. 
So, yeah, it's very much up for grabs. Now, Group F, France was probably the favorite in this group, and they have advanced to the knockout phase. They beat Germany 1-0 in a highly anticipated match earlier, although it was an own goal by Hummels of Germany that won the game for France. And then they managed a 1-1 draw against Hungary, who seemed like the team that didn't belong here. But credit to the Hungarians, they hung tough. Now Germany rebounded and beat Portugal 4-2, and Portugal had beaten Hungary 3-0 early on. So again, this group could have any number of things happen, as we still have Portugal and France left to go and Germany taking on Hungary. Portugal-France, of course, would be a rematch of the Euro final in 2016, which the Portuguese won. So, ultimately, looking at this group, I can kind of see how some people might be disappointed with France, as they're immensely talented and haven't run through the group like the Netherlands or Italy or Belgium did with theirs. But uh, like I said, like this was the toughest group overall, so I'm not going to slight the French for that. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. All in good fun. Although, right. uh, you got a winner for taking it all yet? Or are we too far away? I mean, like I said earlier, I was sort of putting my hat on England and, you know, maybe they will ultimately get it together, though early action has not been the most promising. Now, if they were to win Group D, they would play the runner-up of Group F. The runner-up of Group F will probably be France or Germany. (laughs) So it's not an enviable position to be in. No, it's not. Now the runner-up in Group D will play the runner-up of Group E. The runner-up of Group E might be Slovakia, Sweden, one of them. Currently, it would be Slovakia, but obviously we still have more action to play. It's almost like you don't want to win Group D. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Belgium is slated to place the third place team out of Group A, E, or F. I'm still not 100% sure how they're going to decide all these matchups. But third place from Group E would be Switzerland, and you'd have to think Belgium would be favored in that one. Looking at Group F, maybe Portugal, could be Germany, could even be France. Third place from Group E, maybe Spain, maybe Poland, maybe Slovakia. I don't know. You have to say that Belgium is set up pretty well, although, yeah, quarterfinal matchup with Italy and Munich, that'd be interesting. 
So I'm definitely looking forward to next week when we can talk a little bit more about these various matchups. Some of them will already happen as Wales and Denmark will play at the end of this week and some others. All right. So where to from here? All right. So now in the opening, like we talked about, we were going to go through our top five or not our top five or top 10 currently of NFL quarterbacks. Top 10 NFL quarterbacks. So do you want to just name the top two out of the way? I'm pretty sure they're the same. Sure. Let's go for it. The top two is basically Mahomes and that's Rogers right after that. Right. I would agree. So Number we, three is okay. going to be where things get interesting. It's a close call between Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. You could make a f- pretty good argument either direction, but I'm going to lean toward Wilson because a lot of people have said that he should be MVP either this past year or in 2019. He's been just bawling out and, We've talked about it before. He doesn't have a lot of help from his line. He does have some receiving help with Metcalf and Lockett, but still, Wilson has so much on his shoulders, and I think it's a slight no edge. offensive line. Yeah, like like I said, offensive line's not very good. It's splitting hairs with him and TB12. I'll go Wilson for now. And again – this could be – this is just going into this season. Correct. So, and the reason why the, – and these lists change all the time because Correct. everyone's going to have a down year. What happens if, uh, you know, somebody gets hurt? I, I, again, this, this is just kind of ballpark. We know who the top two are. Three and four, you could coin flip, essentially. And so, who is the last guy you got in the top five before you go into the nitty-gritty of six and ten, where it starts to get complicated? I'd go with Deshaun Watson. Legal issues notwithstanding, just pure on the field, I go Watson. I'll agree there. Yeah, I do think he is a little bit behind those top four guys but yeah he slides in at number five just because you look at all he's done with some dysfunctional coaching and organizational mess and not having a good line almost ever but still he's just got so much abilities very accurate pretty strong arm yeah he had nuke for his first few years But, I mean, all quarterback-receiver relationships are a two-way street. Of course, Nuke made some great catches with one hand or whatever else he was doing. But it's not really like Hopkins was ever a burner. He was really good in that intermediate game. He made really good contested catches. But if you look outside of that, Watson really never had anyone else that was all that consistent over his time in Houston. Fuller was very good when he was healthy. Uh, Yeah, when he was healthy was the part you got to worry about. Yeah. 
And then you had what here. Kenny Stills, Kiki QT that showed up every now and then. Okay, now, QT there were some thousand yard rushers. You had Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde provided some boost on the ground when he rushed for a thousand yards. I mean, they've had some decent running backs, but again, just like you look at all the ability Watson has, and he led the league in passing yards last year on a another circus of a team. That was just crazy. But yeah, let's move on. Going to number six. This one might be a little bit out there. I would go with Josh Allen, just purely based on his physical ability. It's off the charts. Just he might have the strongest arm in the entire league. He finally got his accuracy under control. He can run like a deer, and he's hard to tackle. I'll go there. So uh, and now I'm and I'm actually really concerned because again, of all the teams in the NFL, less than a third of them go on this list. I'm just wondering about. There's some guys where you could say absolutely not, but then there's some guys where I think it's going to get really tough. Uh, for seven, where uh, do you put Matt Stafford? Seven through nine was really hard for me. I have three guys. I'm not sure in which order they go. My the, three guys that's where it gets are. Arguing. My three guys that I'd have are Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson. Now, with Lamar Jackson, obviously he was league MVP in 2019. He is the most electrifying running quarterback, perhaps ever, certainly since Michael Vick. And a lot of people just call him a running back playing quarterback, but they really undersell how good he is as a passer. He's got a pretty good arm, and people say, well, he can't throw accurately. But if you even look at the playoff loss to the Titans a couple years ago, he dropped a lot of passes just right in the receiver's bread basket, and they couldn't hold on to it. I mean, receiver's dropping passes. It's not his fault. He can't do anything about that. Yeah, he had some throws that he sails. He still does that a lot. And yeah, he still kind of broke down in the divisional round against the Bills. But once again, that offense is primarily a run-first system. And if they can't get the ground game going, it does kind of break down. (laughs) So, I mean, it's kind of tough because, I mean, I think Lamar gets hated too much by some, praised too much by others. And Prescott is kind of the same way. I mean, he's put up some pretty good numbers since the start of 2019. He had his first 4,000-plus-yard season. Of course, the biggest knock on Prescott from the 2019 season was he did really well against teams under 500, but you look at the teams over 500, he was 1-6. He threw eight touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's just not getting it done. People may say that Dak only has one playoff win, but that's really not his fault. I mean, you look at the first game he played in the playoffs against the Packers. Yeah, you're going against Aaron Rodgers, and he threw three touchdowns in that game. He let him back down 
I think 21 to 3 at one point. I mean, don't call Dak a choker. That's that's ridiculous. Mm. Prescott is certainly a good quarterback. It's just, yeah, you look at those other crucial regular season games and how has he fared. That's just my biggest concern. Now, some people will talk about, well, the defense wasn't any good. Well, this year it really wasn't. But if you look at the first four years, the defense wasn't as bad as people think it was. But anyways, like I said, he gets too much praise from some, too little from others. Now you're going to look at his 2020 season before he got hurt, and you're going to say, well, he was lighting it up. And you look at those three huge games he had. They were against Seattle and Atlanta, the two worst pass defenses in the league, and then the Browns, who were 22nd, which is below average. I mean, come on. Uh, that is not enough to sway me that he is a top-tier quarterback. Now, I so, read an article from Football Film Room analyzing his 2019 season, said Dak is good, but he's not elite. Here is why. And it showed just countless times where Dak would miss throws, he'd take off and run when the pocket was still available that other quarterbacks have been able to throw out of. I'll link that article below in this description. And yeah, so just giving the sample size from 2020 that we have, it looks good, but to me, it's not convincing. So then you look at Matthew Stafford, a guy who people just kind of forget about because he plays for the Lions. Well, he played for the Lions. Yes, he has no playoff wins. But that's not entirely his fault. I mean, he's had a lot of bad coaches and bad teams over the course of his career. Yes, he played with Megatron. I'll give you that. And Megatron made him look better, but it's not like he was a slouch because of that. Again, no offensive line help for one. Uh, Let's see. Fat Patricia. I was waiting for that one. I mean... Basically, a, within a year, he criticized him, and they say, oh, I want our quarterback because I don't like his worth ethic. But I'm like, hold on. You're going to talk shit about ethic when you've shown up late to meetings that you are the one standing in front and holding? I mean, come on, dude. Pretty you much. You can't, you can't do that. You can't do both. So hopefully some people will throw some respect on the name of Matthew Stafford. Now, for number 10, I actually – Again, this is in our coin flip. For number 10, I actually had two names in mind. You might be able to add one, but let me hear you first. Well, so let's break it down. So far, we we agreed on Mahomes-Rogers 1-2, yes? Yes, and And again... Wilson-Brady, you have all this in the same order, right? And even if we don't, I think we know who's exactly in through three to nine. No matter how you rank them, it's Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson. Number 10, I think, is tough. Yes, it is. So the two names, and and I think there's a couple of more, but just to put in consideration, I'm thinking Matt Ryan – I'm thinking Kyler Murray. 
I mean, is there an Arnain you want to throw in there? I'm, I don't, I don't think a Tannehill could go in there. I can't put in a Jimmy G. I can't put in a Derek Carr. Well, I mean, you and might have seen the meme before either. of like stats since Ryan Tannehill took over the Titans and how he looks against Patrick Mahomes and how their their numbers are actually quite similar. <sighs> Which, yeah, just makes me think, why? I don't want to live on this planet anymore. <laughs> some got some Homer, some freaking Johnny, hometown Johnny in Tennessee, is the one who put up that crap. Because I don't think that you could put them in the same category. You had a guy that was average for most of his career, and now you want to la- launch him to the stratosphere? Get the hell out of here. I would put Tannehill around 12, personally. I mean, you got to respect what he's done. He has revitalized his career in Tennessee. But I would also agree he's not top 10. I still think, and you've talked about this guy plenty of times on this show, my number 10 would be Matt Ryan. He's, He's obviously been there. He's done that before. And like you've said, he gets all the crap for... The defense blowing leads. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Play middle linebacker? Matt Ryan does not block. And Matt Ryan does not, well, he doesn't run the ball because he's not that guy. He also doesn't play coverage. He doesn't play pass rush. And he doesn't play quarterback spy. He plays quarterback. He airs out the ball. And listen, of all the accountability last year, do you want to say that, oh, yeah, by the way, he should have scored one more time. So instead of us blowing a 14-point lead, he would give us uh, up by a touchdown because they can't blow a 21-point lead. But guess what? As far as I'm concerned, Justin Herbert and the Chargers blew a lot of leads last year. Nobody blamed Herbie. They blame the defense for sucking what mattered most. What happens with Atlanta Falcons fans? As far as I'm concerned on that kickoff return for the onside kick, Matt Ryan wasn't on the field and forgetting about his football 101, how you're supposed to fall on the ball right after it's kicked and it doesn't have to wait 10 yards. As soon as you see it off the tee, guess what you do? You fall on the ball, and you hold it for dear life. They failed. That's true. But what they do? They blame Matt Ryan because that's the easy cop out, and they've been doing it for probably, what, the last five years? Yeah, ever since the Super Bowl that they lost. And, I mean, other guys that I would say are close, you also have to think of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, another guy who really hasn't shown out very well. I, I got him close. Most. I'll just say this. You, I got him closer to the 15 than I do with the 10. Yeah, ranking those guys in the middle can be hard. Where do yes. you put Ben Roethlisberger? I mean, he had 33 <sighs> touchdowns to 10 interceptions last year, but by the end, he looked old and busted. At, at the last four or five games, I want to say possibly five or six games, he looked a little mushat. I know. That's why it's kind of hard for me to put him over Cousins or Tannehill. Now, Derek exactly. Carr, 
Derek Carr is a little iffy. I'm not I, I sure got if I should put him on. I do 15. <laughs> I think Derek Carr gets a little too much hate now. He does, but he wants to stay the rest of his career at the Raiders, and that's why a lot of people give him grief. And then, Now, mind you, the first wide receiver picking out of uh, a draft class, not this year, but last year, was Henry Ruggs III. And if you remember, shortly after he was helping a friend move, and did you hear about the story about how he had a knife uh, poke him in the thigh and he was on crutches? I didn't particularly hear that story, but I feel like you told it once upon a time. So I think we can just sort of move on. Okay, so you had bad luck with a rookie wide receiver. You had one wide receiver leaving free agency. I mean, you have uh, a top five tight end. And then what else do you have on that team for you to, you know, throw the ball to? You have a good running back. The running back is not bad. But if you go by the offensive weapons to throw to, even though you got a top five tight end, look at your wide receiver core. It's below average. Right. Like right now, I like the Ravens core better than the Raiders core. And that's saying a lot. The hands of stone that are are the Baltimore Ravens receivers. But anyways, I could hear in the middle the middle of that, I think you were about to say that the Raiders had a Wookiee right, wide receiver, and I'm thinking, yeah, definitely throw a jump ball up to a Wookiee. Well, it depends. Uh, if you pull him at quarterback, he's going to put it in the crossbow. You won't get a cannon, but you'll get a crossbow. Anyway. Yeah, but can you just imagine a Wookiee as a tight end? Just go around, try to get around that. Or better yet, have a Wookiee, like, doing the J.J. Watt finger th- wag at you. I think that, I think a Wookiee would get called for uh, unnecessary roughness on every single play for being too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's yeah. a, what I got for my number 10. And I think we could disagree with this, but that's okay. But right now, because I think he's got – He's got a tough schedule, but I'm starting to believe in him more and more. I'm pulling Kyler Murray at top and number 10. Interesting. He might be around 13, 14 for me. So at number 10, you're putting Matty Ice? For the moment, yes. Now, right. the other part about having a Wookiee on the defensive line, they'll pull the offensive lineman's arms out of their sockets if they lose. <laughs> Damn. I, I I thought about that too, but you said not me for a reason. Now I'm just imagining an entire team of Wookiees. Just like an offensive line and a quarterback and running backs, just literally nothing but Wookiees. They wouldn't even have to throw the ball. They would just it'd be like watching an Army Navy game. I don't know if they would be the most successful team of Star Wars characters. Could you just imagine a team of Sith Lords? Like, they would just be there, and then the Wookiees would just come running at them, and they'd just throw them against the wall. Or just shoot them with lightning. 
there's a couple of Sith Lords in the NFL. And if you had to go by the two, well... Well, I mean, one should be obvious, because he wears the hood in the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well... If you want to go by uh, Bill Belichick, I mean that that's perfectly fine. So I mean, does that mean uh, he's got someone as the second Sith rule, or I'm just trying to think the other one could find someone who's had a lot of injuries, like I don't know, like Sam Bradford used to be. You could say that he's more machine rather than man. Yes. Okay, well, that was an interesting diversion. (laughs) Now I'm trying to think of other various teams you could come up with. You need a team of flying creatures of some kind. Hmm. A team of Mandalorians. That could work. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Maybe uh, if we go north uh, of the border, maybe one of those uh, logos uh, could be replaced by maybe just a Mando helmet. And if you're Winnipeg, you should take notes and consider it. Well, since it's the CFL, maybe they should become the Wampas. (laughs) Uh, Man. That's good. That's real good. Yeah, I still don't know how much of a chance they would stand against the Sith Lords. Shooting lightning at them. Or force choking them. Yes. All right, so that was a very unplanned detour of this show, but it was the most fun part. Let's be honest. (laughs) All right, so any final thoughts? I think we covered everything, yeah. we're I'm set. Okay, that's it. So just as a reminder to everyone, you can follow us on Twitter at AllFootballPod and on YouTube at AllFootballPodcast. Thank you very much for listening. On behalf of AJ Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. We'll see you next time.